Everybody that you meet, you can learn something from them. That it's not necessarily what you achieve in life that matters most, but it's who you become in the process of those achievements that really matters. We all need people who believe in us. They expand the boundaries we place on our own lives. What makes me most proud is how I played the game. Being real, authentic, and spontaneous, and loving the game, to me, is what it was all about. When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Hello and welcome to The Mission. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton. And hey guys, we have a cool show for you today with ESPN continuing their coverage of The Last Dance, which chronicles Michael Jordan's last season with the Chicago Bulls. We felt here at The Mission that we wanted to give you our perspective on it. And who better than to tap into our gold jackets who actually lived those moments, played in that city, and today, Guys, we have the Minister of Defense, Chicago Bulls legend, Mike Singletary. Coach, welcome to the show and thank you very much for your time. Great to join you and the series has been absolutely fantastic and uh, learning a lot about the Bulls. Um, you know, those guys had a, a great run and um, very exciting to, to talk a bit about that today. Coach, before we dive in and talk about that series, first and foremost, how are you and your family during this time of quarantining? And um, what are some of the projects that you've been working on? Oh, we're doing well. We just uh, take a day at a time and, and practicing uh, social distancing during the day. And, but uh, all in all, it's a uh, really good reflecting time. Coach, let's dive into it and let's get the timetable because I really want to get your perspective. I can't wait to learn and listen about so much, but you were with the Bears from 1981 to 92. Michael Jordan came to town in 84, played to 93, left, then came back with the 4-5 from 95 to 98. But to set the table, what were the Chicago Bulls like early on to give that perspective before Michael Jordan came to town? Um, the Bulls were just another franchise. They were just another basketball franchise and uh, early on and uh, guys, you know, were able to get tickets and many went as they could. But uh, after Jordan came, it was a different, a different talk about the Bulls. It was like, hey, can we get tickets? So uh, very, very cool vibe. So when you watched him early on, coach, what was it like and what game, if you could recall to say, wow, he's going to be something special here in this city? Well, basically, I will say this. Some of the guys would come in from watching the game, watching him and saying, Mike, this dude, he is, uh, he's going to be a force to be dealt with. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, that, that, that's cool. And uh, sure enough, in, in a couple of years, man, he was just lighting it up. And everybody was talking about the kind of effect that he, he was having on the Bulls team. Exactly, because before there was a high-flying Michael Jordan, there was uh, the Minister of Defense who was mastering the middle of that Bears defense, and you guys had Sweetness, the Refrigerator, Coach Dicker, you name it. You guys were the toast of the town. So did they ever, Bulls players, come over and kind of like mix and mingle with your guys and come and watch your game and, 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 and learn and watch the greatness that was, that was being displayed at Soldier Field? They, they had a, a couple of players. I, I didn't know a lot of them, but they had a few players in uh, the locker room every now and then and, and just kind of as we began to climb 
in our own um, uh, rights. So it was pretty cool. Now, Coach, I have to ask you this. Did you play basketball any? I know football was your main sport, but did you play hoops at any time in your, you know, collegiate high school you know, career? <laughs> in junior high, I went out for the basketball team. I had a best buddy that went out for the team, and I said, hey, I'm going to go out for the team. I had skills in defense. And uh, after about a week, uh, I remember the coach pulling me to the side and saying, hey, Mike, I, I really – really love your desire and all that, but your passion, but you're hurting our players, man. He said, how about I uh, make you the manager of our team? It was, it was, it hurt me, but I said, all right, that, okay, I, I can do that. So I became the manager. <laughs> That's great. Early on, your coach was like, okay, football is it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. Now, 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 Coach, what was the city of Chicago like? Because I understand from the fan base, you know, it was split down the middle with the two baseball teams. But is it safe to say when it came to hockey, basketball, football, that everybody rooted for those particular, the Blackhawks, the Bears, and the Bulls? Absolutely. During that time, though, um, from, let's say, 83 to maybe 88, Bears were alive and well. You know, we, we were kicking it. We were, uh, we were moving, and the Bulls, uh, uh, Michael and Pippen and Rodman, and those guys were really – it was a really cool time for Chicago because all of a sudden you had a football team. You always had sweetness. And then all of a sudden you had a, a football team, and, and we're, we're beating people that we're not supposed to beat, and we're going to the Super Bowl, and that was outstanding. And then, uh, of course, the Bulls came alive, and – and now we got both these teams, uh, franchises, really being great. And uh, it was a very exciting time. What was it like for you to go out to dinner? I mean, I, I can't imagine, like, just want to have a quiet meal with you and your family and fans coming, bothering you, or, or you know, you, you didn't even have to reach into your wallet. They're like, no, 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 that's Mike Singletary. We're going to take care of him. I mean, what was that energy like in and around the city? It was pretty amazing. Uh, the year before the Super Bowl, a few years after the Super Bowl, really after the Super Bowl, it was just um, anywhere you went, your money was no good. The, the fans in Chicago are the best. Uh, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. The fans in Chicago, uh, you got to win. And even if you don't win, they'll be on your tail. So the media is really tough, but uh, it is a great football city and I remember other teams guys from San Francisco uh, guys from New Orleans and they always talk about man we wish we were in Chicago your fans there are serious and uh, it was uh, really we were the envy our fans are the envy of the league absolutely I got to say, too, you guys were like uh, ahead of the curve on, you know, if you will, the hip hop videos and MTV because you guys had the Super Bowl shuffle video. I mean, no other than that, no team had a video out there like that. That was pretty cool. Well, it's, it's got to be one of the dumbest things that we did. I mean, thankfully, we pulled it off. But uh, you don't want to make a video with about eight games left in the season talking about you going to the Super Bowl. Uh, so it was uh, it was really interesting. And and. Uh, it really made us focus. That, that whole video was really great for us. Uh, um, we knew we could not lose. 
And when it came to the fans, you know, uh, we got a chance to meet Bear Man, who was in uh, the Ford Hall of Fans. But I love, like, the, the coach group, the Mike Dicker group, that they dress up as Mike Dicker. Now, do they have a show or something that – were you able to ever interact with them personally? Um, you know, not really. Uh, not me, but I'm sure some of the guys did. Uh, but I mean, there were so many different groups and so many different things happening in Chicago at that time. I can't even tell you, uh, all the things that were going on, um, at that time. I mean, the fans really got into it and so did everybody else. And when you look at these uh, documentaries, coach, if you will, I mean, it's just amazing to see the behind the scenes because right now, you know, America's just starving for anything. And, and when you think of Michael Jordan, of course, he's a superstar. But then you get a chance to learn about the whole entire team and the cast of characters. But just overall, what are you taking away from the nuances that you're, like, learning from that, from this documentary that you were like, man, I, I didn't know that was going on? No, I, I think um, when I'm looking at the documentary, the, the thing that I'm seeing is it, it takes a team. You know, I, I don't care what you shine a light on or whatever, it takes a team. And you have to have players. But the thing that I see is there has to be somebody on that team. If a team is going to go anywhere, there has to be someone that galvanizes every and want to get better, we want to be the best. But that, that person that comes that says, we are doing this. Come hell or high water, we are doing this. And, and when it comes to that, that, that moxie, if you will, that leadership, that's that's reason why I wanted to reach out to you because it just seems like there's that common thread of determination, preparation, the the love of the game, and 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 like you said, being a leader and, and leading by example. Well, it it um, you know, leading by example is being able to understand what goes into the determined mind. You know, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to win. It's another thing to say, hey, we are going to win. We are going to do this. And I'm not going to just talk about it. I'm going to lead example. And then the next thing to be able to have off the field, um, everything I do is consuming. And to me, that, that really is what a championship is all about. Well, Coach, I want to thank you so much for these fond memories and just going and taking a trip down memory lane and really giving your perspective on the Michael Jordan effect, the Chicago Bulls, the Chicago Bears, and the fans. Um, but before we let you go, um, as we starting to see now, uh, officials are reopening the doors to America. If we, meaning America, was in your huddle right now, what would be that, that, that defensive play? What would be that defensive message that you would give to us as we start to um, reopen the doors and take care of our family and our friends? What would your message be to us? Well, first of all, it, it wouldn't be a defensive message. We, we've been on the defense a while. It would be an offensive message. And that would be, let's make sure that as we come back uh, as America, let's come in eyes wide open. And, and make sure that, that we're not just looking to get back to the way things were, but we take this opportunity to get better. And we, we look at what we've learned right now, opportunity that we have, a golden opportunity for the first time 
ever be able to come back making sure that we look at everybody and how we can all benefit and how much we need each other. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time, for joining us right here on The Mission. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mike Singletary, I'm Jameer Howerton. We'll see you again. Well, guys, I had the golden honor of being joined by a Chicago Bears legend who mastered the middle of the field during his heyday. Guys, I'm talking about Gold Jacket Pro Football Hall of Famer Brian Erlacher. Thank you, Brian, for taking time out and joining us right here on The Mission. Yeah, man, thanks for having me, Jameer. Uh, appreciate you giving me something to do today. <laughs> now, Brian, I, I, I would be remiss, you know, as ESPN is showing the great documentary, The Last Dance, yeah. which, you know, has the, 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 the honor of sports fans who are dying for anything right now to show, yeah. you know, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, MJ, but you played in that city. And before we talk about the MJ effect, I know you weren't there, you know, during his time, but you were there afterwards. So we can talk from the perspective of what it was like in that city, in and around the fan base of having, you know, the icon iconic sports town in Chicago in itself. You know, unfortunately for me, I missed all the great Bulls teams. You know, the 97 or 98 was last year they won it. And Michael, Michael left, obviously. You saw why he left. Kraus said this is uh, um, Phil's last year. Michael said, I won't play for anybody else but Phil. But, you know, growing up in New Mexico, dude, I was the number one Bulls fan because of Michael, because of what they were able to do. And I watched him in college in North Carolina. I was a Carolina fan because of Michael. Just his, like, was so far reaching. You know, everyone in my hometown loved Michael's well, and the Bulls because of Michael. Just his, it's amazing how far he reaches because he's such an unbelievable basketball player. It's funny to watch that documentary because he was so skinny his first couple of years in the league. And I know him now. I'm like, dang, he looks so much different. I guess that's what time does to us all. But it's just funny to see him how skinny he was when he first got in the league. When you got there, did you ever get a chance to like, was he in and around the city or members from that team around? Not, not really. You know, Michael, my second year in the league, I think he came back and played for the Wizards. I don't know if they're the Bullets Center or the Wizards back then, but he played, I think, one or two years for them on his third comeback. I got to watch him play in Chicago, uh, but never for the Bulls. I, I played golf with him a, a bunch of times in Chicago. We remember at the same golf course, which was cool. You know, I grew up watching Michael, so it was neat to play golf with him. But I played golf, uh, basketball with Randy Brown, Randy Brown at the East Bank Club. Randy was a, a, one of the guards for the Bulls back in those days, but – I didn't really see anybody. It was weird because they were all gone when I got there. It stunk. Now what, now, what was it like growing up as a Michael Jordan fan and then having an opportunity to play with him on, 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 on your golf course? You're talking about some nerves. <laughs> you know, just the, first of all, getting to meet him and then getting the chance to compete against them in a smaller venue. Obviously, golf is not quite the same, but he's competitive. You know, I feel like I'm competitive. Too, and I wasn't very good at golf back then, so it was uh, I was nervous as hell. I and mean, He doesn't care. He goes out there, he plays his game. But he was cool, man. He was just nice. You know, I think he understands his effect on the younger generations and how we all looked up to him. So he was cool as hell. And it was just, it was a great 36 holes. And what do you think of, what do, what do you think of the documentary so far? Oh, it's awesome. You know, I can't wait for Sundays to get here. I'll tell you that much. Sunday at six o'clock our time, I'm sitting in front of the TV, but it's just nice to have that insight and the kind of the background and all the cameras going behind the scenes and to see what was really going on on that team. And, to see that, like, Michael's drive and his effect on people was unreal. All, they, all, they all bought in. You know, Scotty bought in. Dennis, you saw what they had. Dennis last week was awesome. I'm a big fan of his as well. But just to see how they kind of put it all together and put their differences aside just, just to win. 
When you look at the the city itself, if you could speak to the fan base, you know, I got a chance to talk to one of your other fellow Gold Jackets, Michael Singletary, and he talked about, you know, everybody says they have the best fans, they have the best fans, but Chicago fans are the best fans. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I know football-wise, man, we um, there were some years we were not very good, but our fans still showed up and still rooted us on. I'm uh, I, the Bulls fans, like I said earlier, they're so far-reaching. And the reason I think that our fans are so good is because everyone who's mostly from Chicago moves because it's so cold. <laughs> so I feel like like when we traveled in football, we had great fan support because everyone's not Chicago because it's cold. But I shouldn't say that. But um, we it's just they're everywhere, man. And they're hardworking people. That's why I think they're like the Bears fans are still great. But the Bulls fans are obviously some, some Bulls games early on in my career in Chicago. They're pretty – they're pretty avid as well. They get after it. They're, they're, they support their team, especially when they're winning. You know, it's exciting when the Bulls win and the Bears are doing good as well. But, you know, baseball fans are the same way there. You're a Sox fan or you're, you're a Cubs fan. There's no, uh, there's no in between. Now, Brian, I got to ask you, I know football was your main sport, but did you shoot, did you shoot hoops? Sorry, you cut out, Jim. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, I'm saying, I said, I know football was your main sport, but did you shoot hoops? I played hoops in high school. I thought I was pretty good. Um, I wasn't as good as I thought I was, but I, I, enjoy, I actually liked playing basketball more than football when I was a kid. I thought, uh, I thought it was fun, but I just can't, uh, I wasn't good enough to do anything after high school, but I enjoyed it. Now, also too, you know, you can speak to the levels of the sneaker game. Now, were you like a Jordan head? Did you have like your J's lined up? Did you have the number ones, the twos that you did? Well, that's easier for me to do now because we have a little bit more money now than we did when I was growing up. So when I kid, you never heard of the Jordash shoes? So that's what I had when I was a kid because we couldn't afford Jordans. But um, my wife, is a, she has all these shoes. She has like 30 boxes of Jordans up in her closet that are never worn. I'm like, what are you doing? I have some that I didn't – so I'm not a shoe collector guy. I'm not into that stuff, but she is. So she, uh, she has all these shoes in her closet. Um, my kids, my daughter, my middle daughter is a huge fan of the Jordan stuff. So they, she has shoes as well, but I never got into it. Wait a minute. Your wife has a Jordan collection. She has a ton of shoes. Like up at the body top, there's all these boxes that have never that you don't wear them, obviously. I guess I don't know. I don't know what the point is, but uh just tons of shoes up there that uh all Jordans. My daughter is the same way. Brian, I don't understand that. That's one thing. My my cousins too, they buy a bunch of sneakers and they don't wear them. They're collectible. I'm like, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? I guess they're worth some money. The longer you keep them and the older they are, I guess, for shoes, like the first edition or the uh, whatever they are. I don't, I don't know the names of them, but I guess they uh, increase in value. So that's a good thing. You know, we got a lot of money sitting on top of our closet in, the, in those boxes. <laughs> Before I let you go, man, how are you and your family doing during this time of quarantine? We're doing well. You know, we live in Arizona, uh, which is nice. The weather's warm and we're still able to play golf here. I can still go out and ride my bike. Toughest thing is the kids not being in school. You know, they're doing online stuff. My oldest daughter is a freshman in college. She had to come home and miss her spring semester. And, my, and I have a freshman in eighth grade. So it's just hard with the online school and trying to get them um, busy. You know, my son stays up all night playing games, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> right now, it's okay. We go to the park and train three, four days a week. Uh, it's just different. You know, it's, it's so different trying to, to, to figure out a way to get, uh, to get everyone on the same page. And how crazy is it that, like you just said, I can't wait too, because Sunday at nine o'clock, I'm even like watching at eight o'clock because I want to like watch the backstory so I can be, everything is fresh and waiting for a new episode of The Last Dance because it's just, we're all starving for some sports. I know. I mean, we're, we're deprived of our sports and, uh, you know, this is well, getting close.
it's a basketball playoff time, right? I'm, NBA playoffs are fun to watch. You haven't had that in a long time. Just there's nothing on. So I'm watching, you know, network shows, all these old NFL games, the Super Bowls. I'm watching all kinds of stuff. But we've actually just been outside a bunch. It's 100 degrees here in Arizona, by the way. It's already warm, hot as hell already. So we're outside doing stuff all the time. But um, yeah, in the evenings, it's, it's hard to find stuff to watch. Netflix has, has saved our butts quite a bit in our household. But uh, it's not as bad as it could be, I guess. Billion starts this coming Sunday, May, too. Yes. May, I'm a huge Billions fan. I love that show. It's great. Billions, listen, I went back and watched season three because I couldn't ke- – I didn't really get a chance to dissect it. But season three and the season four, I'm locked in. Locked yeah, in. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of that show. My wife got me hooked on it about two years ago, and I binge-watched the first two years, and I had to wait for season three to come out. And now I can't wait. For- Did you watch Ozark? Oh, shut it down. The last – Oh, man. Man, listen, that last scene – Oh, oh man! Ellen? Yeah, don't tell anybody because it. Won't, but I was shocked too. I was watching. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ellen. I was like, oh, yeah, exactly. I was like, I didn't expect that. It was the opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Exactly, exactly, yes. But that, but you know, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on the, his the character's main name, but uh, Marty, Marty, Marty. Yes, Marty, Marty is a cool dude, man. Nothing rattles me. I mean, they do it. I mean, you put him in a cage, but he's just chill. Like, Wendy gets me, stresses me out, his wife. She's always doing, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, a little shady. But Marty's just like, I want to make the money. I want a lot of this money. We're going to get it. We're going to pay it back. We're going to be good. <laughs> and she keeps doing all this shady stuff, trying to get him no, into more trying- trouble. Pisses me off. Man. Man, right. I'm so thankful, man, for you giving us your time today, man. Join yes. us right here on the mission. You know, Thank you. Thank you so much, bro. Yeah, man. Stay safe. Take care. Thanks for having me.